Welcome to Rome Christian Center. We are so glad that you are with us here today. If you are local to the Rome, New York area, we would like to invite you to join us 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sundays. We are located at 7985 Turin Road in Rome, New York. Let's join the service as we believe God has something in store for you today. Find somebody beside you and say, I'm grateful for you today. I'm grateful for you today. Amen. And I'm here to do something here with you today. Amen. You know, when we gather together, this is just faith without works is dead. And if we continually are passive about what we believe and about our walk with God, we kind of settle in and we give the devil a foothold in our life. And I feel like God just wants to encourage us to be doing the works of God, to be active in our faith. And one of the ways we do that is by coming together and worshiping together. Amen? One of the ways we do that is by coming together and giving together. Amen? One of the ways we do that is by serving together, serving one another, loving one another. Somebody say amen. And another way we do that is by receiving the word together in faith and giving good, hearty amens, right? Amen. That was a joke. Praise God. I want to talk a little bit about the life of Joseph and how what Joseph went through in his life and the place that he had to his brothers is the place that Jesus has with us. And I'll just tell a little story. And, and I, I'm a, I really enjoy telling stories. And that's not just because I teach literature. But I enjoy telling stories, and I believe God enjoys telling stories. And the way that God gets to us is by telling stories. And the Word of God comes to us in the form of a storybook in many ways. And the Word in the Old Testament has stories and it has pictures, um, it has symbols, it has timelines, but all of those things are supposed to direct us to the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? Somebody say, Joseph was a wise man. Joseph was a man that understood how to handle God's provision. Joseph was a man that was abused and used but forgave and good, let's be like Joseph, and let's learn some things from his life. But no, let's take it a step further. Let's see Jesus in his life. Let's see Jesus in our life. And I was thinking about how the word tells us that our lives are living epistles to other people. And each of us has a story to tell. If you don't have a story to tell then you need to ask God, Lord, what's my story? Because your story is a story that's going to affect the people around you. And God is going to open up doors for you to tell your story and how God has impacted your life and what he has done in your life. And that story is going to give glory to God. And not only is it going to... Um 
Show other people how good God is. Show other people their need for God. Show other people their sin before God and the only way that they can be brought together with God. But it is also God's appointed way to get us up and moving in this business of discipleship. Jesus said, I want you to go and I want you to make disciples of all nations. And you say, Lord, I'm not a pulpit preacher. Well, that's okay. God says, you've got a story to tell. I've done something in your life. And when I open the door, I want you to share it with other people. I want you to tell them how good I've been in your life. And then that is going to have a chain reaction. Amen? Well, we're going to hear about Joseph here. And You know, the Bible says that Joseph was a a young man that was favored by his father, Jacob. And Jesus was the firstborn among many brethren. And the favor of God and the life of God rests in his son, Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that Jesus had a hand in creation. And the word tells us that Joseph came to his brothers as a favored son. He had a coat of many colors. He was a gifted man. He was a man that held the prophetic anointing. He was a man that held the apostolic anointing. He was a man that had the shepherd anointing. He was a man, what am I forgetting? The teaching anointing. All of these things are bound up into Jesus. And Jesus had the manifold grace of God upon him. And the word tells us that he dreamed a dream. And that he had a great dream. And God had a great dream for this world that we live in today. And Joseph's brothers shattered that dream. They were jealous of him. They were prideful of him. They were hateful of him. When he came and told them that great dream, they said, who do you think you are? And the Pharisees, how many know they said it almost word for word that way? They says, who do you make yourself out to be? And Jesus said, I'm the son of the living God. And I know that you don't have the life of God and the love of God in you. And the Bible says that Joseph had a bad report for his brothers. And sometimes we don't want to hear a bad report. We don't want to acknowledge the fact that there is order and that there is dominion in God's kingdom and all of that is in Jesus. And God has called us to submit to his lordship and his authority. And the Bible tells us that when Joseph was describing this dream and he was illustrating it, he said, listen, I had a dream and I saw this sheaf and it was upright and it was standing above the others and the other sheaves were bowing down before it. And he said, God showed me that I'm that sheaf and that you're to bow down before me. And they didn't like that. And that's a picture of Jesus. He is the true and righteous son of the living God. And he is the head. And he comes before. And he is God's appointed man to bring order to the earth. And they didn't like that dream and they sent him. And how many know that that they were off and they were resentful? But the Bible tells us that they were while they were off doing their thing, tending their sheep, living in their resentment, living in their anger, that Jacob sent Joseph to them. The Bible says in Genesis 37, Israel or Jacob said to Joseph, are not your brothers feeding the flock in session? So what does that mean? Listen, God knows exactly where people are at. 
He knows exactly what people are doing, and he knows exactly how separated they are from him. And Jacob the father saw his other sons, and he saw them off in Seshem, away from the father, away from fellowship. Let me know sometimes in families when there's problems that are unspoken, they're very evident to the people in that family. Somebody say amen. Can I tell you that this was a dysfunctional family? If you read the, the account of Jacob's family, not only did he have a dysfunctional past, but he had a dysfunctional present, and then there was even more dysfunction after that. Now, I don't want to glorify dysfunctional families, but I want to say that we come to God in and from dysfunctional upbringing, in and from dysfunctional families, but God has a remedy and God has a cure, and even in our family dysfunction, God reaches out with Jesus, and he said, I want you to come into my family, and I want to show you the good family because I'm the good shepherd, and I want to bring order, and I want to bring healing to your family dysfunction." And Jacob was there, and he said, right here, I will send you to them. And Joseph said, here I am. And then he said, when he went out, he found a man on the road, and they said, whom are you seeking? And Joseph said, I am seeking my brothers. And the word tells us in verse 17 that Joseph went after his brothers and God came and he went after us and he came looking for us just like he was looking for Zacchaeus he said Zacchaeus I can see you all the way down there in the road up in that tree and I'm coming and I'm going to eat dinner at your house tonight I know you didn't invite me I know maybe you weren't even thinking about me I know you're living in your sin you're living in your dysfunction you're living in your confusion but I'm sending Jesus and I'm calling you back home and I love this. The Bible says Joseph went after them, seeking them. These are people that hate him. These are people that don't want anything to do with him and resent him, but he's still pursuing them and seeking after him. And I really believe that Jacob knew in that moment that there was going to be trouble. He knew that they were bloodthirsty. He understood their uh, resentment toward him, their anger toward him. And God knew when he sent his son to the earth, that he was going to be abused, that he was going to be mistreated, that he was going to be misunderstood, that people were going to blaspheme him, that they were going to spit on his face, that they wouldn't even want to listen to what he had to say, that when he went in to preach a great meeting, they were going to run him right off to the edge of the cliff and try to throw him over. But God said, I'm going to send him anyway because my love transcends the dysfunction, the anger, the sin, the resentment, and it's love coming from God that breaks the chains and Jacob sent his son Joseph he said I want you to go and I want you to find him so you know the story Joseph goes and the Bible says that they stripped him of his tunic and they threw him into a pit and then they lied about it One of the brothers actually withheld the bloodshed and they said, listen, this isn't of great value to us. Let's sell him instead. So they sold him to merchants and he ended up in Egypt and he ended up in the house of Potiphar. 
And the favor of God was on that man in Potiphar's house. And then from Potiphar's house, he was mistreated. He was abused. Potiphar's wife came after him, and she longed for him, and she lusted after him. And when he wouldn't concede, she accused him, and he ended up in prison. And sometimes we are going to be mistreated in this world. And sometimes we are going to have to deal with temptation in this world. And sometimes we are going to have to deal with persecution in this world. And God wants us to look to Joseph and look to Jesus and say, Blessed is the man that endures temptation. Blessed is the man that is hated. Blessed is the man that is persecuted, for he's great in the kingdom of God. He wants us to look and see what Joseph said when. Potiphar's wife looked and said lie with me I want you my eyes are for you he said how can I sin against my God Joseph didn't have the law and the ten commandments Joseph didn't have the old covenant and the new covenant Joseph didn't have it on every app and every website but there was something in his heart that understood that lying with that woman was a sinful act and there was something in his heart that understood that there was sin in his brother's hearts the anger, the hatred there was something in him that understood sin and it didn't need to be taught to him but the Bible tells us that every one of us has a conscience and an understanding of right and wrong and the Bible tells us that each one of us is going to stand before God and be accountable to God for the sins that we have committed in the flesh and the Bible tells us that we know that it's imprinted on the, the DNA if you will of who we are that sin is a real thing that it's alive on the earth that it's present in the human body in the human spirit and that there's only one thing that can wipe that sin away and bring us back to God and bring accountability into our lives say accountable people don't want to be accountable today accountability is a dirty word it's unsafe it's judgmental but if we can reach beyond politics if we can reach beyond social media if we can reach beyond the things that we've heard and if we can look into our human hearts, we know that sin is a thing on the earth. And we know that that sin separates us from God. And we know that there is something longing within each and every one of us to be reunited with our Father in heaven. We know, we were singing this morning, I walked in a few minutes late, and the, the lyrics were, we're all searching for answers that only you provide. Did you sing that this morning? That was Chris Tomlin, wasn't it on the screen? We're all searching for answers that only God can provide. And God sent Jesus. Amen. I'm starting to get happy this morning. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So after they stripped him, he ended up in prison and the favor of God was on him. The love of God was on him, and he passed that test, and then he made it into Pharaoh's house. And there was a famine in the land. Somebody say famine in the land. There's a famine in the land today. And I'm not talking about Price Chopper. I'm talking about there's a famine 
in the soul of man, that there's a hunger in the hearts of people, that hunger's in this building, that hunger's outside of this building, because every single one of us needs an abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. Every single one of our spirits needs a connection with God, and only that connection, only bridging that, only being reconciled to God can bring that soul satisfaction and fill the hunger that's in our hearts. There was a famine. But the Bible tells us that God sent Joseph ahead of his brothers so that there would be food. Somebody say, hunger's a good thing. I, I really feel in my heart, it was the famine. I feel like the enemy wants to discourage us and accuse us for our failings and convince us that we're truly separated from God and not just hungry. I feel like God is saying, you're hungry. You're hungry. You're hungry and I want to feed you. I've often heard pastors say, we come together and we uh, are fed the word. Amen? We're fed so that we can feed. This is just a taste. But God wants us to be regularly feeding upon him and upon his word. Jesus said, you cannot see the Father unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. That's the only way you get life in you. And how many of you know that they took that completely literally and they went overboard with it and people still doing it today. But Jesus said, listen, I want who I am to become a part of you. I want you to take it and I want you to bring it into yourself. I want you to come near to me. Jesus said, come to me, all of you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Draw near to me. Come unto me. And in Isaiah 55, the Bible says, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Come and buy wine and milk without money, and without price. Why do you spend for what is not bread and your wages for what doesn't satisfy? Listen to me. Say, listen to me. God is telling us, listen. Eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear to me. Hear and your soul will live. The Bible says in Proverbs 20, uh, 12, 25, that depression in the heart of man weighs it down. But a good word makes the heart glad. God wants us to come and be filled and be fed by his word so that we can delight ourselves in joy and in peace. Somebody say amen. Joy and peace. Fullness and fatness. Ephesians, well, verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord 
and the Lord will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon him. And you could read the rest of this later, but I'll just pick up verse 8. My thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. My thoughts, your thoughts. Drawing near to God starts with repentance. And repentance is a change in the way we think. Staying close to God and continually drawing near to God means continually being transformed and changed in the way that we think. Because we're constantly being bombarded in this area. This is where the enemy fights us. This is where it comes, right up here. This is his strike zone, so to speak. When we talk with the umpires before the baseball game, they, they, we say, okay, listen. And we look at the age group and we bring the coaches together. And they said, listen, what are we going to call for balls and strikes? And we look at the white lines and we say, listen, we're going to go with an inch or two this way, an inch or two this way. We're going to go under the chin and over the knees. That's the strike zone. Well, listen, right here between your ears is the enemy's strike zone. And if he can strike you there, if he can get you thinking the wrong way, that's where he gets you. That's how he draws you away from God. He gets you thinking the wrong thing. And listen, our self-talk affects our walk. I've, had to, I've just been thinking some terrible things lately, and I'm just being transparent with you. When we get discouraged and we really tap in, there is a self-talk going on on the inside of us, and it is not in accordance with who God says you are. It is not in accordance with where God says you're going. It is not in accordance with what God says about this place. We have to examine our self-talk. We've got to constantly monitor what we're thinking. And we have to constantly, Ephesians 4, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put on the new man. Renewal, constant renewal comes by continually being renewed in the spirit of our mind. So God reminds us, listen, when you draw close to me, I want you to change the way you think about me. So Joseph's brothers are dealing with a famine in the land where they live in Canaan. They're suffering. And in Genesis Chapter 37, Jacob gives the best advice that a father can give. Are you ready for some advice today? This got me really good today with advice. Genesis 42, they're living in suffering. They're struggling. There's no food. And Jacob says this in Genesis 42. When Jacob, the father, saw that there was grain in Egypt, Jacob said to his sons, why do you look at one another? Now, if you don't remember anything else today, you've got to remember that right there. Why are you looking at one another? This is a bit of a pattern for us. When we're suffering and we're not feeling good, we have this habit of looking to people to fill the needs in our heart. 
We have a, this habit of looking around and being paralyzed by what's around us and not looking to God, not hitting the reset button and saying, God, I'm going to turn and I'm going to cry out to you right now. We sit around and we look at other people. And I want to tell you, for as lovely as it is, sociology isn't going to answer and fix your problems. Psychology isn't going to answer and fix the problems of your heart. For as much wonderful discoveries we have, science isn't going to do it either. God bless the scientists. God bless the psychologists. God bless the sociologists. But there's only one cure for the hunger and the famine in our souls, for the suffering that we feel and what we're dealing with. God says, I want you to turn and I want you to stop looking around and I want you to head to Egypt and I want you to go find a man named Joseph because he's got some food for you. He's got something that's going to fill your heart and that's going to cause you to live. We were in Long Island traffic last Friday. As soon as, I think it was several miles before the Throgs Neck Bridge. And we were in, we must have spent a total of maybe three or four hours in just traffic. And how many know sometimes in traffic you can get frustrated? And you could just kind of look around at other people and see their frustration. I remember one time in traffic, I'll never forget it, I was, I was 15 years old and we were driving down I-95 and there was bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic in North Carolina and this guy right next to us, he was just sitting there with his head back. He pulled himself out a, 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 a nice rolled-up marijuana joint. He said, man, if I got to sit here this long, I'm going to smoke me a joint. And, and he kind of found his little fix to the traffic. But can I tell you something? You're going to come down after that marijuana joint. That high, it's not going to last that long. The things that the world offers us, they're temporary fixes. And they're not going to fulfill the true frustration in our hearts. So God says, listen, I want you to stop looking around. I want you to stop looking at people, although I'll send people into your life to help you. But I want you ultimately to get your eyes toward Jesus and I want you to go and I want you to find him because he has what you need. And the father says, why are you looking at one another? I've heard that there's grain in Egypt. I want you to go down there and I want you to buy some food there so that you can live and not die. There's something in every one of us that wants to live. See, I'm a believer. I, I believe in Jesus. When we die at the funeral, they're going to say, he went to heaven. He said the prayer. But listen, when we deal with pain and when we deal with oppression and when we deal with things and, and, and when we don't deal with them with God and we don't give them to God and we separate ourselves from God, we start dying again. And we're either living or we're dying too. And God says, you're either pursuing me and seeking me and drawing close to me and eating from me or you're slowly dying. And I'm tired of death. I don't want to die anymore. Because I can handle the problems when I'm alive in my heart. I can handle what the devil's throwing at me when Jesus is with me but I can't handle it when I'm not. And I can't handle it when he's not around. 
And I can't handle it right here. Because something in every single one of us wants to live. God created us. God dreamed this place. And he spoke life into the garden. And he spoke life into the earth. And we were sitting there yesterday at the graduation party. And I was looking at that beautiful scene on the lake. And I was looking at those hills. And I was looking at that life. And I said, God is the author of this place. There is life in this place. But there is something that has broken the life and separated us from the true life. And we've got to get back to it. So my message today is that God is calling us to draw near to him. Jacob's brothers couldn't draw near to him. If you, if you follow along, I'm in, I'm in chapter 4. Don't go there. In chapter 45, when his brothers came back, Joseph was so overcome with emotion at the sight, especially of Benjamin, that he couldn't control himself from crying. And he had to go into a separate room and be away from his brothers because he was weeping. And that's the heart of God. God wants us to be united with him. God's longing for us to have relationship and to be brought back to him. His heart is full of compassion and love and mercy. But before they could be united with their brother, they had to understand who he was. And Joseph told him, listen, I am Joseph who you sold into slavery. And at that moment, their eyes were opened, and then they realized the famine was over. And the famine couldn't end until they were united with their brother. And they couldn't be united with their brother until they realized who he really was. And Jesus is no ordinary man. He's not a a guy that's a good prophet, had a lot of good things to say. Maybe he did some miracles. No, no. The Bible says that in these last days, God has spoken to us through his son that he is the eternal son of God in the bosom of the father. He was involved in creation. He is God come in the flesh. Joseph was not only a son of Jacob, but Joseph was also Lord over all of Egypt. He was Pharaoh's Lord and governor over Egypt. And it wasn't until they realized that Joseph was not only their brother, son of Jacob, but also that he was the son of Pharaoh, the Lord of Egypt, that they could be reunited and receive the provision that they needed to live. So God's calling us to, and, and here's, the, here's the climax. I don't want to go too long. Here's the climax. After Joseph, after the big reveal, you might say, Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? His brothers couldn't answer. And Joseph said, and they were, excuse me, they were dismayed in his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, please come near me. Can you hear God's heart in that? Please come near me. Please come. God's inviting us. Jesus is inviting us. He's saying, I want you to come and I want you to draw near to me. I want you to come and I want you with me. 
So they were reconciled. Now watch this. Because this isn't a one-time thing. After they were reunited, Joseph said to them, you're going to dwell in the land of Goshen and you shall be near to me. You, your children, your children's children, your flocks, your herds, and all you have. So God wants us to draw near to him, to acknowledge our sin. And how many know that they had to acknowledge that they had sold him into slavery? They had to acknowledge their sin. There had to be a reconciliation. And once they had had that reunited moment, he said, listen, you're going to live here with me now. There's famine coming around here. Things are going to get worse. But as long as you're with me in the land of Goshen, right next door, there's going to be provision. And even as the famine gets bad and the signs of the times occur, Jesus said, I'm the shepherd and you're going to be in my flock and there's going to be a continual provision as you draw near to me and you stay near me. Father, we just thank you for Jesus. Lord, you are the good shepherd. Lord, you are the good shepherd. Hallelujah. We thank you, God, that you are the good shepherd and that you came looking for us, Lord. You left the 99 and came looking for us. And Lord, we thank you that there is a place for us. There's provision in proximity. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for answering our questions. Lord, we thank you, God, that as long as we dwell near you and stay close to you, Lord, that you're going to make provision for us, that you're going to help us, Lord, that you're going to satisfy the longings of our heart, that you're going to keep us from the famine, from the evil that's happening in the earth, Lord. Lord, we thank you, God, that we can endure all things with you, Lord. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me from within. Lord, we praise you and thank you that you've invited us to come, not only to come, but to stay, to stay in your presence, Father. We thank you, Father, that there's a promise coming down that dusty road. From his holy hand, healing virtue flows. He's got the key to what you need. Death and hell he will defeat. There's a promise coming down that dusty road. He's coming to you. And he's coming to me. Father, we thank you that you're coming. Stand to your feet with me, please. Father, we thank you that you're coming. Lord, we thank you that you came. But we thank you, Lord, that you're coming and that you're going to stay with us, Lord. Hallelujah. And I just want to invite, I kind of felt to pray together and fight against discouragement. I kind of felt to come and to pray and have comfort and fight against feelings of separation, but that God wants to remind us that we are with him, that we're united with him, and that if we have stepped back, God wants to say today, step forward again. Come back.
Draw near to me today and I'll draw near to you. Resist that devil and he'll flee. Draw near to me today. Draw near to me today. In Jesus' name. Draw near to me today. And we just want to invite anyone to come up for prayer. If you're feeling discouraged today, if you're feeling separated from God today, God wants to restore you. God wants to bring you closer. God wants to love you today. And we're just going to pray and believe God together as we worship. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Father. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's word and that you be filled with his love and strength as you daily serve him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry and how it is that you can partner with us, visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.